All right. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Wednesday, June 1st, new month, right? And uh, we come to you each morning at about 9 a.m. for this purpose, to hear God's Word, to pray together, to sing together, confess our faith together. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, I see uh, See you checking in there in the chat. We've got Karen, Gus and Eileen, Don and Karen, Tim, Chris, uh, Mom, whose baptism birthday it is today, and then Lori and Vicky's on YouTube. Uh, Lori says, beautiful music. Uh, that is the Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne. That's their Cantorai. And the uh, that's from their new album that I submitted for... Uh, for replication, uh, hopefully it'll be available on streaming platforms. It usually takes two, three weeks before it gets published on the streaming platform. So you'll be able to uh, go purchase that as a CD, or if you prefer to listen to it streaming, um, you can do that as well. It'll be available soon. Been working on that for hmm, going on three years, <laughs> uh, but it's finally done. So there you go. That'll be my second CD project with them. Oh, in the last six years or so. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse together. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. John 3, verses 5 through 6. And then our psalm, Psalm 119, Aleph and Bait. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your just and righteous decrees. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the just decrees of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, we have a lovely confession here 
really of the third commandment, right? That um, we should fear and love God, that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it, right? Gladly hear and learn it. You can hear how Luther is reflecting upon uh, the language of the psalmist here. Notice also that it's connected not only to uh, the word, but the way that the word has been attached to practice, right? Uh, we're not talking about human practices here, although those sometimes can be edifying and useful, like fasting and um, making the sign of the cross, etc. But we're talking about those institutions that the Word itself has established, the Holy Christian Church, the Office of the Holy Ministry, the preaching of His Word, the teaching of His Word and study, the um, or catechesis, if you prefer, like we're doing now, uh, the baptism of young and old in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the proclamation of forgiveness of sins and the withholding of forgiveness from those who refuse to repent, right? And then, of course, the administration of his body and blood, according to, again, his word, right? Which is why, uh, when it comes to all those institutions, you hear the word of promise in the context of the right, um, so that you know that it is not according to our own word, but according to the Lord's word. Think about what we'll say in a few minutes when we come to baptism. What is baptism, right? We confess. It's not just plain water. And then Luther always asks, which is that word of God? Or uh, what is that, uh, you know, where is it written? Something like that, All right? And, and this is important that we recognize in the church, there are many things that we do that are um, edifying and useful um, by human tradition, by, you know, being handed down. If they can be retained without leading one away from faith, then of course we do. Um, on the other hand, there are, we have to recognize that some of what we do Actually, the core identity of who we are as Christians is established by God's word, right? And so the psalmist has us. Um, I think this is a father to a son, um, that the father is directing the son, right, towards the word of God and look looking only to God's word for um, the rule for faith and for life. Good. All right, we're going to hear from the prophet Amos now, uh, Amos chapter 3. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has caught nothing? Will a bird fall into a snare on the earth where there is no trap for it? Will a snare spring up from the earth if it has caught nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Okay. Um, <laughs> this is, of course, a prophetic word against Israel, right? Um, the ones whom God had delivered. And that key statement here is, you only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Everything that the Lord does, he does by necessity. Right? Now you might say by his will. He does everything he does, everything that we experience is by God's necessity. It's out of necessity. Uh, God is not arbitrary. He's not capricious. He's not like Zeus, where just casually throwing about lightning bolts just for the heck of it, right? No, he do, he's working, as um, the Apostle says, all things together for our good and for the good of those who love him. All things, meaning the entirety of, of what we experience, is by our Lord's necessity. 
And that changes um, how we understand the things that happen to us, right? And so that necessity is confessed here in verses three through six, of course, right? Uh, and using analogies of uh, those who walk together, the lions roar, the, lion, the young lions cry, the snare, the bird falling in the snare, or the snare springing up from earth, or the trumpet in the city, or the calamity in the city. All of these are signs of necessity, that something has happened and is happening, right? And the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servant, the prophets, right? So the, the things, um, the problem with God doing things by necessity for us as Christians, or for all people rather, is that uh, without God speaking, we don't know what the purpose is, okay? So without him telling us, we can't answer the question. So think of uh, how Job responds, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's all you can say. I don't know why he's giving or taking away in this situation. All I know is he is God. Hmm? Uh, But if he does tell us why these things are happening, um, then um, it can give give us a greater clarity and understanding. It requires, again, uh, a prophet or an apostle to speak, or Jesus himself. Think about... um, as he foretells of the of the last days, he says, when you see these things taking place, look up for your redemption draws near. All right. And now when I preach that text, the signs that he describes there, I think are, are um, all, they're surely signs of his second coming on the last day. But um, I think they're, they're fulfilled primarily at the cross. And we look up to the cross where our uh, redemption has come. Uh, so again, the necessity of, of meditating upon his word because without his word, uh, we can't even begin to have any clarity as to why these things are happening, whatever they may be. Good. Okay, uh, reading then for further catechesis. Uh, we've been reading through the Gospel according to Luke. We're now um, in our second reading here from the Sermon on the Plain. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away the cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away from your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. All right. Some of this should sound familiar to you. If you Again, as we mentioned yesterday, if you remember the Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, But here, this is the Sermon on the Plain, a little bit different context. The Mount had the whole crowd gathered here on the Plain. It's the Twelve with the other multitudes kind of in the background. All right. Um, And it's also worth remembering what came just yesterday. Um, Yesterday, we heard at the end, Jesus 
um, foreshadow his parable of the wicked vine dressers, <clears throat> right, who killed the prophets. And so they will, excuse me, <coughs> kill those who come after, um, just as they killed Jesus, right? So we talked about how the persecution of the apostles um, is not surprising because the fathers of those who will persecute the apostles were those who persecuted the prophets before them. All right. Now he says to them, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, right? That's an odd thing to say, that we're going to be hated for preaching the gospel. And then he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. Now he's saying this to the apostles, but who fulfills this? <laughs> those first couple of verses. Uh, can you think of um, some stories of people in particular that fulfilled those? Well, think of... Um, Jesus, even at his, his suffering, well, his trials, and then his crucifixion, right? Uh, as he says from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All right? It's not just Jesus, though. We see this prototypically displayed in the first, um, the first martyr, don't we? Lord, do not charge them with this sin, right? St. Stephen. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, right? So again, these, this is fulfilled ultimately in Jesus, and then in the apostolic church, uh, first seen in Stephen. All right. Um, then we have the cheek being struck and then give them the other also, but then the cloak and then don't withhold your tunic. What does the cloak and tunic remind us of? The cloak and tunic. All right. Well, we want to think, of course, again, um, of the, oh, of the, um, the garments of Jesus, right? So, um, those at the cross, remember, they um, they cast lots for it. So maybe this signifies um, the righteousness that covers up all our sin, right? Um, also, we had close at the stoning of Stephen. I think Stephen's in mind here, too. Remember, uh, it's it's Paul who who um, watches over the garments as they're laid at his feet, St. Saul, or Saul, um, while they were murdering Stephen, those self-righteous murderers, giving us a cloak, of course, in the face of the righteousness of Christ, all of our works must be set aside and be clothed in him. Yeah, swaddling clothes too. That's good. I like that. All right, then we have verse 31. Uh, we'll skip 30. That's fine. Uh, you've heard this before. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That's sometimes called the, the golden rule, right? Yeah. All right, so what might really be then connected um, to this just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Is this a golden rule that applies to every situation? I suppose it, it, it might. But in the context here of his preaching, what is he talking about? This is a summary of, of verses 27 and 28. That is, um, love your enemies, do good to those, bless those, pray for those who spitefully use you, or as Jesus does from his cross, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Or Stephen, Father, forgive them. Mm -hmm. um, so that... I would suggest is connected to the Lord's Prayer, right? And the petition, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. All right. Um, then he says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Why do you think that phrase is important? What credit is that to you? We're talking um, like, um, you know, earthly credits. What are we talking about there? Well, I think you might want to take into account, you could use Hebrews 11, but why not go back to the original text, Genesis 15, Genesis 15, right? When um, God takes uh, Abram aside and shows him 
the heavens and says, so shall you uh, number the stars, right? And so shall your descendants be. And then Moses records, and he believed in the Lord and he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. All right. So a very important phrase, what credit is you? Is it to you? What credit is it to you? Right. The works of sinful men profit nothing, right? Whether it is love to those who love you or um, doing good to those who do good to you, right? Or lending to those whom you expect to receive, receive it back, perhaps even with interest. None of that profits you anything before God. But God deals with you by grace and freely bestows his love, does good to men and expects nothing back, right? Um, you've heard me say it in a number of ways, but maybe think of it this way. God um, he's the giver God, right? He gives and he expects nothing in return, um, as if we would have anything to give to him. Um, I've heard, oh, well, it's from uh, one of the vignettes in Hammer of God by Bo Geertz, right? Um, he says, well, I give my heart to Jesus. And the uh, the counselor says, the pastor says, um, why would he want that thing? <laughs> it's very well said, all right? Um, same thing here. Um, God doesn't need your works. He is the one who bestows upon you, um, not because you love him, not because you do good to him, or even because you um, give to him like of your time, talents, and treasures, but simply because he loves you, he's gracious and merciful to you, and he does it out of his character, um, actually in despite of us. All right, And then so then um, we are d- directed to live in the way that he lives for us. So you see, you will be sons of the Most High when you love your enemies to good land and hoping for nothing in return. You will be sons of the Most High. Sons of the Highest, uh, the Son of the Highest would be Jesus, right? So sons of the Highest, they're declared so for His sake, for His sake, right? And then um, that's, I think, a confession of baptism, of course, and uh, but the reception of the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about um, in divine service here recently, and the reception of the of the divine of the uh, excuse me of the Holy Spirit then works faith, not only faith but then with faith on uh, fruits of faith like love for enemies, doing good and lending without expectation of return. Uh, we are given to live um, as Christ by the giving of Christ, not by our own doing. Uh, Chris has a question here. I do a lot of crying for I just don't want people uh, to do bad. I also do a lot of praying, but I am a crier. Yeah, I, I mean, the emotional connection to the things that are happening uh, around us is, um, it's not unreasonable. I, it is, and it is rational, uh, you know, emotional response that way. Um, but I think, I mean, we have to pray for the Lord's mercy and that he amend the hearts of those um, who do wrong. I think we also have to recognize um, that increasingly so, we live in a world um, where they live in open rebellion to God's word. And so then our call as Christians, even more so than maybe when we lived in an ostensibly Christian culture, is to be salt, um, light. Um, what other analogies does Jesus use? Um, Let your light so shine before men. Uh, if a salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it? Right? So be salty. Be, be light bearers. There's probably another one. Right? In this world. Um, which means that Christians... It will be and are inherently um, different and always have been, but it will be much more obvious now. And our laments will be louder, I suppose. Our grief will be will be greater, um, especially as we experience great evil, uh, even in our own communities and in our families. 
again, it's out of necessity. Um, the, most of the people that I know outside of the Christian church, outside of my family, um, have rejected God, especially God as he's revealed in the word. And uh, you can see the fruits of that rejection um, in their life. The Lord has given them over to that which they desire. They want to live in rebellion to him. He's, he hardens their heart as he did Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And we, can, we, we ought to grieve that, of course. All right. So who are the unthankful and the evil that God is kind to? This should be encouraging to us and to everyone. He is kind to the unthankful and evil. That's actually everybody, <laughs> you know, um, according to the flesh. And we need to recognize that. Right? Therefore, be merciful just as your Father is also merciful. All right. And mercy here, um, are we talking about just like uh, earthly gifts, earthly generosity? What kind of mercy are we talking about? Again, how is the love of God known to the Christian, which we saw here at the beginning? How does he do good to those who hate them? How does he bless those who curse them? The language here of verse 36 is the language of justification. Um, that Jesus, his, the Father gave his son Jesus um, not to those who would receive him, but to those um, who would reject him and kill him. But he gave him precisely for that reason, that he would die for their sins, to forgive them for your sins. All right, so that's his mercy. That therefore, our mercy is that same self-sacrificial love, that agape love um, towards one another, with again without expectation of return. Right, this is probably the hardest thing: is that you want you love others, and yet they won't receive your love. You're merciful with others; they won't receive your mercy. You're generous with others, and they won't they won't reciprocate that generosity. Well, what good would that be to you anyway? Why do you even need it? Do you do you need? Um, that affirmation of love from others in order to love them? Jesus didn't. Hmm? Um, is it really charity if you're expecting that it will get paid forward or you will get p- paid back? No, it's no longer charity. It's never that uh, material love, right? Caritas. But rather it is um, just lending. Hmm? All right. I mean, again, if this, the picture here, Jesus is our example, uh, which is true, um, but Jesus is also... Um, the giver of these things, right? Uh, and, he do, and he works these things in us by his spirit, right? Um, so even judge not, right? Why do we judge not? Unless we're in the uh, office of judge, I suppose, the Lord has put us there. Or or uh, in the case of like the office of the ministry, the pastor is given to judge doctrine, right? But here, why, generally speaking, do we not judge? Because the Father has not extended his judgment upon us. You see, the Father is merciful, 36 really sets the tone for the verses that come after, right? Condemn not. Why not? Because for the sake of his son, the father has not condemned us, right? Uh, And then forgive. Why? Because we have been freely forgiven while we were yet enemies of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, maybe this is a helpful way to think of how you interact with your neighbor. Uh, Yes, they are sinners, but they're sinners for whom Christ has died, right? And now you are the ambassador of Christ, by faith, through your baptismal vocation, to declare to them and and to treat them as someone for whom Jesus died. So, no judgment, no condemnation, and forgiveness, leading to forgiveness. Um, And what is to be given freely then? Forgiveness of sins, right? Verse 38. Um, And given in what measure? Only a little bit? (laughs) No, in the same measure you've received, which is that the Lord... As you know, um, in regular daily repentance, you receive forgiveness of sins, right? Here, 
say, for example, in the stream, when you're in divine service, um, as you forgive one another, daily forgiveness of sins, like a cup that's running over, right? With good measure, pressed down, running over. This is the grapes, the language of grapes in a cup. Oh, when will this get used again? Oh, well, I, can, I bet you can guess the context, can't you? When would Jesus use this language again? In Luke's gospel, I'll quote it directly. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you to do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he, all, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Okay. So yes, the, the, the cup of the Lord's table, Christ's blood is given in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over into your bosom, put into your bosom, meaning your heart, right? Forgiveness. Uh-huh. What measure should we use then? He says, for what the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What measure? Well, think of our Lord's forgiveness, the gospel that proclaims the boundless, gracious gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. Is there a measure? No. Is there a, a limit to forgiveness? No. So also with our forgiveness of one another. All right. Meditation then. The weight of the law crushes us with the call to love our enemies. Yet, the one who preaches these words is the one who fulfills them. He sees the weakness of our sinful flesh and calls us to look to him alone for our rescue. Though we are his enemies who daily rebel and seek revenge against those who harm us, he pours out his life for us. He prepares for us the cup that is running over with the blood of the covenant that we might drink and receive the abundant forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation that he has won for us. His clothing was taken from him that he might lovingly clothe us with his own righteousness. How then are we to love? How He calls us to be merciful, as his own Father has been merciful to us, and forgive the sins of those who sin against us, just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. All right. Um, Chris says, I feel these people don't know God, and that is so sad. Yes, it is, right? Part of our vocation as Christians is that we pray uh, that the Lord convert them and that he give to us to speak uh, the word of forgiveness to them for that reason. Hmm? Um, I've made this point, but it's been a while probably, so it's worth repeating. Um, The reason why we sin, see, excuse me, why we see um, such open rebellion um, to government, uh, to family, to one another, is because we don't forgive, right? Why, why don't, uh, why aren't people willing to admit when they're wrong, um, when they've gone astray, when they've, when they've done um, contrary to what they know to be good, right, and true? Why are they refused to admit it and even double down upon it? Because they don't believe in the forgiveness of sins. And they might not even think that you have forgiveness for them because they haven't heard it from you. Right? So this is why forgiveness um, spoken in the name of Jesus uh, is essential to any healthy uh, uh, family, husband and wife, children, um, congregation, school, community even, maybe even nation. Hmm. We are a people um, who have forgotten God, you might say, because we refuse to forgive those who have sinned against us. Something to think about. All right, catechism, speaking of of our vocation, who we are given to be, our identity is in baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word, which is that word of God. Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, 
and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. Which are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All right. Let's sing our hymn for the week. Speaking of the love of Christ.
All right. Today we do have a commemoration. Uh, today we remember Justin Martyr. Born at the beginning of the second century, Justin was raised in a pagan family. He was a student of philosophy who converted to the Christian faith and became a teacher in Ephesus and Rome. After refusing to make pagan sacrifices, he was arrested, tried, and executed, along with six other believers. The official Roman court proceedings of his trial before uh, Rusticius, Rusticius, a Roman prelate, document his confession of faith. The account of his martyrdom became a source of great encouragement to the great or early Christian community. Much of what we know of early liturgical practice comes from Justin. Yeah, Justin Martin, or Martyr. Um, so usually Justin Martyr is how is it how it's pictured, right? There you go. Um and let's see what else. You can read all of this is available online. Obviously, it's in that public domain. <laughs> uh, let's see. Dialogues with Trifo is first apology. Um, this is all in the Apostolic Fathers. The um, And let's see. With Justin Martyr and Irenaeus. So let me see if I can get you a connection. There's Ignatius, uh, Barnabas, Justin Martyr. Here he is. All right. So I'll give you a link. You can go and read some some of Justin Martyr. Um, unfortunately, this is a free translation, so it's a little bit, um, a little bit hard to read, perhaps. Uh, and the link I sent doesn't seem to have everything it needs on it. Uh, let's see, Justin Martyr. Oh, here we go. Introductory note. Here we go. Here's the link for you. This link should work better. It doesn't look a lot different, but it is there. So you have an introduction, and then you can uh, read forward, okay? So something like his first apology would be a good one to read. Right. Use the left and right arrows, which uh, if you're on a browser, it's up at the right-hand screen, to go page by page. All right. Good stuff. Let us pray. O King of glory, Lord of hosts, uplifted in triumph far above all heavens, leave us not without consolation, but send us the Spirit of truth, whom you promised from the Father. For you live and reign with him and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for marriage and family that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. For parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Today we rejoice with Janet and my mother who celebrate their baptism. We also pray for the households of our church, Michael and Michelle, Joe, Dale and Pam, Summer, Greg and Sharon, and Jessica. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Pastor Kretschmar, Merlin, Jim, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. We pray um, for our new mission of the month, this month, Sheboygan Hispanic Ministry. We ask the Lord to preserve and increase humility amongst us. And we continue to pray for the community of Uvalde as they grieve um, the death of the children and teachers there. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. 
for into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Blessings to you this day. Um, I do hope I can uh, see you this evening, if you're all able to come out uh, as we prepare for Pentecost with the eve of Pentecost observed uh, 7 p.m. We also have adult catechesis at 5.30. And I'm trying to think what we're going to look at next. I haven't prepared yet, so I'll do that later today. All right, so join us for that. Uh, I think we're moving on from the commandments where I think we'll probably be going to the, yes, first article of the creed is next up. First article of the creed talking about creation um, and who God is, etc. So join us for that. And if you're not in the area, of course, you can watch it streaming. Although, as you know, that's not quite the same. All right. So if you can be present with us in person, far better. All right. So Lord's blessing to you this day. Hope to see you later. If not, tomorrow morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.